Welcome to Preston Minster. Find your home, find your purpose, transform your city. Let's jump into this week's talk. Everybody, really nice to get to be with you this morning. Oh, thanks, Tim. Um, healing is the topic that we're thinking about today. We're thinking about praying for healing. The topic I've sort of chosen is Jesus and healing. So we're going to think a lot about some Jesus stories and some things that he did and what it might tell us about healing. And um, for me, healing is a bit of a hot topic because when we came to Blackpool, we were walking around when the first time we visited and praying with the bishop and just asking God, like, what are you saying to us? And I was reminded of a passage. It's from the long ending of Mark's gospel. And it says all sorts of crazy things about the disciples. It says that they'll hold snakes and won't get bitten and that they'll drink poison and not die. And I didn't want to take on any of those things. But it said that they would lay hands on people who are sick and see them healed. And my sense was that God was saying to us um, that if we were to lead this church, it would have to be a church that's passionate about laying hands on people who are sick and seeing them healed. So it's been a really hot topic for us to think about healing. But it's also a really hot topic for my family. So about two and a half years before I was born, my mum and dad had another little baby. And uh, when he was born, everything looked fine for three days. But then on his third day, a nurse noticed that there was a bulge on the back of his head. Some of you all know that babies' heads can be quite soft, and um, so it had kind of gone unnoticed. But on this third day, she realized that there was a problem, and there was quite a large section of his skull missing. So he was rushed to some of the sort of top neurosurgeons to see, like, what's going to happen. And they said a few things. They said, one, he's going to need a surgery to put a metal plate on the back of his head. Um, he's almost certainly going to die very young. Um, but definitely he's going to grow up with massive developmental problems. Now, that's obviously a really tragic situation for my folks in that moment to think, like, what, what are we going to do? And they started this daily period of measuring his head and sending these measurements through to the doctors. And because they were Christians, though, they decided that maybe they should also pray as well. So they invited their church to come and pray regularly for them. And they talk about one night in particular, it was a Sunday night, and a group of uh, people from their church gathered in their house to pray for this little baby. And um, an old lady that they don't, they don't really know who she was particularly, just part of the church, don't know her name or anything like that, she just very gently laid her hands on the little baby and prayed a powerful prayer, asking God to make a difference in that situation. And somehow... I don't know how these things work, but somehow things changed so that where there hadn't been, then suddenly bone began to grow. And what ended up happening was that the surgery got cancelled. Um, by sort of six months, my brother, uh, far from being developmentally behind, he was well ahead of where he was supposed to be. Now he's like 36 and he's like the cleverest person I know. He's an absolutely brilliant, like just a genius. He's worked on jet engines at Rolls-Royce and astrophysics and he flies around the world telling people how to run their businesses. You know, really just amazing. And of course, there were times growing up that I would say to the Lord, like, are you sure this was a complete healing on his brain and not a partial healing? But it turned out it was a complete healing. 
And so it's a really hot topic for me and my family. I guess one of the things I reflect on is that our family, I don't think it would be the same if some people weren't willing to come and to pray for healing and ask God to make a difference. And they weren't superstars, the people who came. They're just like normal people from a church who I assume had prayed for many people for healing and seen quite a few of those people not healed. They've been willing to keep on praying. And I'm forever grateful to those people for doing it. And so my sort of plea to you today is, will you be people who are willing to consistently pray for people who are sick and ask God to heal them? And I'm sure you will. And so that's basically it, and I could sit down. Uh, but I've, I've used only a few minutes, and I promised him 20 or so. And so I've got filler as well, if that's okay, that we can talk through. And what I thought we'd do is we'd look at a passage from Matthew's Gospel, and uh, it's Matthew chapter 9, if you want to find it in a Bible. And um, what I'll do is I'll just share a few thoughts about how might we go about praying for healing particularly. So this is Matthew 9, 1 to 8. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive, to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. The first tip I have for us when it comes to praying for healing is that we need to keep trusting. Keep trusting. One of the big questions that we might ask when we're thinking about healing is, what is the relationship between faith and healing? And you might have heard healing prayer referred to as faith healing. And if you go and type faith healing into YouTube, you will find all sorts of incredibly disturbing videos of pastors whipping people with jackets and stuff like that, trying to heal them. And you can go and be disturbed by those in your own time. Uh, in that school of thought, the idea is really simple. It's a simple relationship. If you have faith, then you will be healed. And if you do not, then you will not. That's it. Very simple. And the, there are two problems, I think, with that. The first is that it's caused an enormous amount of pain to lots of people who haven't been healed. It's just kicking them while they're down. And it seems to me that any good theology of healing shouldn't bring about pain. And so it doesn't quite feel right. The second problem, though, is that Jesus heals all sorts of people who don't have any faith. Like, he heals people who are at a distance, who don't even know that he's healing them. He heals people who are dead. And it's very difficult to have faith in Jesus when you're dead, I'm assuming, right? And so it can't quite work as simply as that. Uh, so what happens is people sort of swing the other way. And they say, no, 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 no. It's not a slot machine. It's not just like faith equals healing. 
Instead, maybe there's sort of no real relationship between faith and healing. Faith is a good thing to have, but healing will happen kind of regardless of it, just whether God wants it or not. I think there are other problems, though, with that sort of idea. Um, Let me read some quotes from Jesus to you. Matthew 9, your faith has healed you. Luke 10, your faith has healed you. Mark 5, daughter, your faith has healed you. According to your faith, let it be done to you. Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Like the list just goes on and on and on and on of Jesus saying, faith, healing, right? There's something happening here. And so I don't think we can just ignore faith as a factor in healing. We need to think a bit more carefully. I think there's two things that we can know to think a bit more carefully about this. Um, And the first one is that faith is powerful no matter who has it. I think that's a really important point. Faith is powerful no matter who has it. So in our passage, it says, some men brought to Jesus a paralyzed man lying on a mat. And then it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, son, your sins are forgiven. Right, so it has nothing to do with the guy in this particular instance. That we don't even know if the guy wanted to be there. He's been brought on a mat. Presumably, he would like to be healed, but we don't know. He's been brought by his friends. And Jesus says, oh, I see their faith. And so, son, your sins are forgiven. I think what we need as churches is a culture of faith where we collectively try to hold one another up, lift one another up, saying, no, we've seen what God does. He does good things. He does make a difference. You might not sense that right now, but he does it. I've seen it in my life. So together, let's collectively have a culture of faith. Jesus sometimes does this as well in some of his interactions. He, he puts people out, for instance, who have no faith, and he draws people in who do, like his key guys Um, There are various examples of that. Second thing I think that's worth remembering is that faith is a gift. Paul's really clear about that in 1 Corinthians 12. It's a gift. It's not something you can just sort of muster up. If you think of faith as sort of like a bit like belief and a bit like trust, it's very hard to believe something you don't believe, isn't it? If I asked you now to believe that you're in Hawaii, it's going to be pretty hard. You can't just you know the same with trust as well it's really hard to trust somebody that you don't trust you just think of them as untrustworthy you can't really force it and I think that's true of faith as well when we come to pray for healing our first job isn't to try and force faith it's to pray for it to ask God to give us faith as a sign that he wants to do something that takes the pressure off because it's up to him Ultimately, I do think healing is about faith because it's about God, and healing is about God. So that's the first thing. Keep trusting. Keep asking God to instill in us faith collectively as a, as a church. The second thing is we need to keep caring. We need to keep caring. A few months ago, I want to say maybe six months ago, I was leading a communion service at a nearby church to us in Blackpool, And a lady came in, she came in just floods of tears. And um, after the service, she came up to me and I said, oh no, what's what's wrong? She said, I need you to pray for my baby. My baby's heart is on the wrong side. And, you know, I don't know, I mean, I'm not an expert, but that's not going to be good, is it? We sort of know the prognosis there. 
and um, it's so just like moving. And I said, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to pray for that. Of course we should pray. Where is your baby? And um, she pointed to her tummy, right? And she was pregnant and they'd caught it on a scan. And so, you know, the doctors had said to her, you're out of luck, basically. It's not going to work out. But she thought she might try prayer, so she'd come to church. And um, we just kind of, we, I guess we just prayed. We, like We just like grasped hands together, sat on a chair, and just cried and said, Jesus, would you do a miracle? That's it. Amen. We need, there's nothing else anyone can do. Would you do a miracle? Amen. And... Um, Great, you know, let me know how it goes sort of thing. Off we go. Two weeks later, I was leading the same communion service at the same church, and the same woman came in, and she was crying, but this time it was like with joy. She was so, like, excited to see me, not thinking she'd see me, and she rushed up to me to say, it's, it's sorted. We've had another scan, and it's like, it's fine. It's back somehow. I don't know how that works, right? But I do know that probably three months ago, I got to hold this little baby, just this like perfect little beautiful baby that's just healthy and well. And I've often thought back to um, that moment of praying together to think like, what, what was happening there? And um, I think there were various different things. But one of the things that's really stuck out at me is that I just felt so deeply moved by this situation. In the Bible, um, humans are described as made up of sort of different bits. We have a body and a soul and a spirit, a mind and a heart. And one of the things I love about praying with people for healing is that we get to sort of activate all of those different bits. So we can use our body. It's, it's great to pray for people at a distance, but it's better to pray in person so that we can lay hands on one another, or hold hands or touch a place that's, that's hurting and just like say we're here present together, God asking you to do something right now in this place where we are. That's a joy. We also get to pray with our minds. We can say, God, show us what's wrong so that we can pray specifically. We pray with our spirits and our souls. It's really clear in this passage I read that Jesus seems to think that there's a relationship between the spiritual and the physical when it comes to healing. So the guy turns up on the mat and um, Jesus says, oh, you know, great. Yeah, of course I'll do something. Your sins are forgiven. Done. Off he goes. And um, you're thinking, gee, what? <laughs> I mean, not bad to forgive his sins, but the guy is on a mat. Like he can't walk. And then it's only when Jesus realizes what the Pharisees are thinking that he comes back and says, well, no, let me prove to you that this thing has happened, this forgiveness, by demonstrating its relationship in the physical realm. And so he brings about the healing as well. And so for us, when we want to bring uh, people before God and ask for healing, we engage our spirits. And we ask God to like ignite in us the gift of healing. Quite often it's useful, I think, to come really repentant as we come to heal. Uh, but the last thing is that we use our hearts. And so when I pray for people for healing, I quite often just, just before we pray, just for a moment, I just try and say, God, just, just remind me again 
Like, it really sucks to be unwell or in pain. Just, like, just stir my heart for that. Because that sucks. And then it engages my heart. And then we can pray better. Um, sometimes I've thought that in the Bible it says that the Spirit groans. He intercedes with groans. I wonder if we could intercede with groans. But if we're going to do that, we'll need really soft hearts. The last thing um, I want to suggest that we need to do is we need to keep going. So if I keep trusting, keep caring, number three, keep going. Some of you had guessed that already. That's fine. Uh, sometimes, in my experience, when we pray for people, it's a little bit like traffic lights. You might have heard this analogy before. Uh, so sometimes we pray for people and it's a red light. We ask God to do something and he clearly does not do it. And sometimes that can happen despite praying a lot of times and it can happen in really serious situations and that can be intensely painful. And credit to you if you're going through that experience. Second thing, though, that happens sometimes is it's like an amber light. We pray and we ask God to do something and we see something but not everything that we'd hoped for. Either there's a partial healing, the thing's a bit better, or something else happens that we weren't expecting that's really good but we've not seen everything that we were asking for. I guess the point, though, is that just because sometimes it's a red light and sometimes it's an amber light, does not mean it is never a green light. If you drive your car around town and you arrive at a red light, you don't just switch it off, get out, throw away the key and think, well, I guess I'll have to walk. Like, no, you wait. You wait because the green light is coming. And one of the things I've often reflected on with healing is that there will be a day when Jesus returns and when he returns, he will be able to put everything right. There will be no more pain or sickness or death. He will fix everything. And so every time we pray for someone for healing, what we're saying is, God, we know you're going to do it at some point. This is absolutely certain. You're going to do it. But just bring the day that you're going to do it sooner. Like we're absolutely certain that you're going to fix it. Would you do it sooner? And of course, it's up to him whether he does it sooner or not. But that's what we're asking for. And so we can persevere in confident hope that eventually Jesus will fix everything. And we can be patient for that. It's much easier to be patient for something you know is coming. And so I want to encourage you to be people who keep going. I've often reflected on how um, there's a story of Jesus praying for a blind man and... Um, he prays for the guy, and then he says, how is it? The guy says, oh, it's, it's incredible. To see all these people, people look like trees, that's right, isn't it? You think, uh-oh, that doesn't seem to be completely fixed, <laughs> right? Sometimes wondered how he knows what trees look like. But anyway, um, it's not sorted. And so Jesus prays again. Now that's quite a big thing. If Jesus prayed twice, it seems to me that maybe sometimes I might have to pray two or three or four hundred times in order to see something happen. And so if Jesus is willing to persevere in that moment, then I should be willing to persevere in some of the moments of healing that I want to see. What I've found is that before we moved to Blackpool, I prayed for not that many people to be healed, and virtually nobody was healed. 
Now, I pray for lots of people to be healed, and some people are healed. And so I think for each of us, if we're passionate about seeing this happen, if you want to see God use you to bring about healing, you want to pray for a lot of people, that would be my best tip to you. Take the opportunities when they arise. Okay, so we've had keep trusting, keep caring, keep going. The last thought would be like, just really practically, what would be a a tip or two as to how we do it? Um, And I think the answer is there's not really any kind of formula, particularly, for praying for healing. There might be some useful models, but there aren't any formulas. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I prayed for a guy in our church, and uh, he came to the front And we were talking about healing. He came to the front. And so I said, well, how can I pray? And he said, I just want to say thank you that I'm here. I thought, that's amazing. Seems like a bit of an easy one, but like a challenge. But, you know, fine, we can pray for that. As we prayed, uh, we were praying. And then the guy kind of went, oh, like that. And such was my lack of faith, I thought somehow I'd actually injured him praying. thought, I didn't know that you could do that, but maybe that turns out to be a thing. If you don't know, you're supposed to be healing or something. You injure them. And he said, oh, when I came in, I had this really bad shoulder, but now it's completely sorted. And I'd love to tell you that I knew about the shoulder the whole time. God had given me the word of knowledge. I thought, yeah, you know. Yeah, we'll say thanks, but I'm going after the shoulder. No, it was, that wasn't the case. We just prayed, and God decided to do what he wanted to do. And so there's no formula. Uh, but what I have found is um, just a helpful pattern for me. Uh, so what I tend to do is I, I just say to someone, uh, you know, hi, Tim, I try to remember his name before I forget it immediately. How can I pray? And then they'll say, oh, I've got a really dodgy shoulder or something. And I think, right, remember, Andy, just that sucks, doesn't it? Sucks to have a bad shoulder. Just like engage my heart now. Engage my spirit. God, give me the gift of healing for this moment. And I say, well, why don't we pray? And I could put a hand on the shoulder, but maybe it's too sore on the back or whatever, if that's fine. And then I just ask God to heal him. Just say, come Holy Spirit and heal Tim's shoulder. Then we might wait for a while. And um, I think as Christians as well, we're given a spiritual authority And so there might be an opportunity to speak something over Tim, uh, to just say, like, to the pain, just be gone in the name of Jesus. And to the shoulder, just receive your healing, or whatever it is, if you want to. There's no formula. And then we wait, and then we say amen. And then with every, like, ounce of courage I've got, I'll say to Tim, how's the shoulder? (laughs) Right? Rather than just like, okay, yeah, let me know, see you later. No, how's the shoulder? Because then we'll know. And then Tim will either say, please stop praying for me, it's weird. Or he might say, um, he might say, it's great, it's amazing, or it's partly done, or something like that. Or he might say, no, there's nothing. At which point, again, with every ounce of courage I've got in me, I'll say, just give me one more shot, Tim. Just give me one more go. And then if it happens again, then I'll say, just, right, this one's the actual last one. Because we might need to just pray a few times. Uh, There's no formula, but it's fun, in my experience. Prayer is always a great blessing, and people appreciate it. So I want to encourage you to take opportunities to ask God to do something. He is going to do it eventually. God, would you do it sooner through each of us? In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. See you next week.